Welcome to DevOps Accents, a podcast on everything around DevOps, public cloud, and cloud-native topics, with your hosts, Pablo, Leo, and Kirill. Hello, all, and welcome. Uh, here again with you, DevOps Accent, and its regular members, Kirill, Pablo, and me, Leo. Guys, say hello. Hello, everyone. How are you? Yeah, thank you. Anyway, uh, we decided that we would get together like this every month uh, to delight you with our various accents and talk about what's new in DevOps. And today we will also try to discuss a very interesting topic that Pablo and Kirill uh, raised uh, on our regular MK Dev Dispatch newsletter. Uh, by the way, subscribe. Uh, every two weeks, uh, we collect our most interesting publications and what we find interesting in the internet, uh, wrap it up uh, in our thoughts and send it to you. Uh, link to sign up for the newsletter in the description. And in one of the recent issues, Kirill shared his thoughts on leaving the cloud. And before I ask uh, what the point is here, uh, help me and our listeners first understand one fundamental thing. And I think uh, this will be important as we go along, as we touch on other topics. Uh, so guys, uh, let's define right now what's the difference between cloud infrastructures and on-premises infrastructures. Uh, because if you take the most primitive notion in both cases, the application is running on a physical server, right? Uh, only in one case, this server is on my premises or in a data center that I control. And in the other case, it is on the server of an IaaS provider. But that's not all the difference, right? Oh, yeah. So... On one extreme, you have this on-premise data centers when the company basically builds a data center on their on their own and they manage the whole physical infrastructure. And the other mm -hmm. extreme, which we call public cloud, is this uh, huge companies like Amazon and Google offering not only the compute capacity of servers, they offer many, many cloud-native services and different ways to run uh, applications. So they don't, they don't give you just the server, they give you different services like the queues, databases, some object storage, and you start also paying not for pure memory and CPU, but also for this uh, advanced capabilities. And then between those extremes, there are many different variations. Like there could be a company that manages data center for you, and they just give you the servers that you can connect to and configure. Or there could be companies that give you only virtual machines, and they manage all the layers underneath. I think this this word manage is the is the key here because as deeply as you go in the cloud you are losing control. And the companies like Amazon, Microsoft, Google, they are controlling everything for you. And for you, everything is much, much simple. It's easy, but the only problem is that you are losing control. So it's like, for example, a clamp flap zone. When you have a Lambda, for example, it's super easy to define what the Lambda needs to do, but you lose the control where this Lambda is executed. Uh, in what data center, what kind of machine, you know, you are losing these capabilities and you are not controlling nothing like that. And then if you are happy with that and you are happy with not controlling all these teams, then it's 
is perfect. But depends on the company. They have different needs and they need to control or not control everything. So it's safe to say that uh, the difference between different cloud providers, I mean, uh, ISS providers, uh, the difference between them is uh, the software that they use to run their clouds and to, to, uh, the, the services that you provide to you. Is that correct? I, I mean, like uh, AWS and uh, Google uh, Clouds, uh, they use different application, different software, and this is how they gain their uh, be concurrency benefits for the clients. Is that correct? Yes, for sure. And not even custom software, they also develop custom hardware. So since many years, Amazon, for example, they develop their own uh, processors, their own chips for the data centers, and they develop their own network devices. Mm -hmm. There's so lots of custom, custom things and they invest billions into doing these kind of things. Okay, okay. So it's, 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 it's impossible to basically get the same kind of infrastructure with open source tools on your own machines. You can get something similar, but not exactly the same just because of how much, how many resources Amazon invests or Google invests in this cloud infrastructure. But something important in cloud is that you are sharing all these devices with many companies that you don't know who are they. So, you know, this machine, this physical entity where your processor are running, in most of the cases, you can re you, you can order something for you and they say that this your machine. You know, there is no an audit that someone is checking that this really is the machine that belongs to you. But okay, you need to trust on them. So, but normally the machine that you have is served by many, many companies. So your data is at the same time where the data of many other companies are. So, and this is important to understand too. And this is one of the reasons because some companies cannot be in the cloud and, and many things like that. I think another important distinction which we get in the cloud is elasticity in resources. And what basically cloud providers offer you is more or like infinite amount of resources. There is of course some limit like in EC2 is maybe like 10,000 instances, but you're basically able to scale from one server to hundreds of them and then scale back depending on the demand and you pay not per month but you pay now per second with per second billing in case of amazon at least and that's like something that you cannot really achieve that easily uh, on premise you cannot just say today i have 100 servers and tomorrow i have one server if you purchase 100 servers you have to like utilize them or find a way to sell them which is long process this is a very good point because working with big companies, you know, uh, many times when they decide to move to the to the cloud, and they they are huge, and there is a problem because the data center are physical places and they have a limit the the physical place. And Amazon, Google, Microsoft, they have huge data center everywhere. But for example, if you want to move all your infra to central, imagine to Frankfurt or to some place in Germany, when you want to do that and you have a huge company, uh, it's not easy many times for companies like uh, Google or Amazon because at the end, these huge companies are telling, I'm going to move 3,000 machines. You need a space to have these 3,000 machines. And maybe your data center is full. And for those companies like Amazon, sometimes it's, okay, let's wait, because maybe I need to create a new data center and this happened to, to huge customers. Sometimes I've been in these cases because there is no space currently in our data center. And even if you have this increase of capacity, 
who need to add new my teams. So it's not easy because those big companies, they, they increase the data center with, you know, taking what is happening in the market because they don't want to spend millions in hardware that later on they are not going to use. So, and when a new customer is coming and I want 3,000, uh, this is cool in a paper, but it's not realistic. You cannot go today and start 10,000 virtual machines in, in Amazon, for example. It's, it's working in the paper, but it's not true. This is not realistic. You cannot do that. And this is important to know, that there is a, a, a real limit and a paper limit, and those are different. Right, there's also additions what cloud promises you and what the reality is. For example, they promise this. Uh, so Amazon developed this Graviton chips, which are this iron base, and they're like a bit more performant and cheaper. And they say, and they tell to customers, yes, just please use Graviton chips, like they're way better. But sometimes when you try to use them, even just for one server, they, they, they tell you, okay, we actually don't have those chips, the services of those chips in this particular availability zone. And they hit this limit like instantly, even with the smaller scale, J just because Amazon is not able to produce these chips uh, fast enough and provision them in their data centers sometimes. So basically with, uh, with their capabilities, they're able to shift the paradigm on how users use their cloud, what, uh, uh, what software they're using, just basically just in by introducing something new uh, to them, and this is something that a user on premises is unable to do himself uh, because he's limited of the capabilities of like of hardware that he uses on uh, the data data center. That, that's an important thing, and uh, th at the same time, I don't understand this uh, notion of leaving the cloud and. Uh, why would anyone want this? What do you think about this anyway? And how do you generally find this concept? And there's here's the thing. Uh, let's do this without all this. There's a different conditions for different companies, um, uh, different needs. Let's be straightforward. Okay. So how should it be in an ideal world? Okay. I, I think that the main reason because companies are leaving the cloud Okay, there are many, but the main reason is the economical reason. Because when you have your data center, you know that what you are paying is the, the, the hardware that you have that maybe is going to, you can, you know, use for five, 10 years. You have the people that is controlling the hardware. Uh, you have the power, electricity, blah, blah. You have a, let's say a number of expenses that are close. And you know that you're going to spend more or less 500,000 every year. Mm -hmm. The problem is that when a company, so your, all your services are not in your company and in a third party company, if one day they decided to increase 5% here, 3% there, because the problem in the cloud is, for example, they charge you for everything. So there is a, a bit that is coming to your machine. I'm going to charge you for that. There is, uh, everything, a new IP. I'm going to charge you for that. Everything has a price. So the problem is as much complex your machines are, and little things you have in those machines, you need to pay and pay and pay and pay. And, and this is a big problem for the companies because I don't think that for a normal company that you are selling your machine is a problem. I think that the main problem is the is the money, you know. Uh, speaking, I, I'm sorry, Kirill, just yes. not to lose uh, the thought. Uh, 
about the money, uh, Kirill, this is basically the question to you, because in in your introduction to the newsletter, you brought an interesting thing that uh, stood out to me. Uh, wait, wait a second, I, I will read it uh, to, I will read it out to be accurate. Um, here I have it. If you are using the cloud as a way to run servers, then uh, the cloud will always be significantly more expensive. Could you elaborate on this? So what I mean is to use the cloud to running the servers is that you basically migrate to AWS, let's say, and you, and you only use EC2. So EC2 is this virtual machines from Amazon, basically. And in this case, always, if you want to have a server with, let's say, eight core CPU and system keys of RAM, there are way cheaper ways to get this uh, compute capacity elsewhere than Amazon. You can get a physical machine in Hetzner or any other hardware uh, server provider for like a fraction of what Amazon costs. So if you only like, if you pay 24-7 for EC2 instances, there are cheaper ways to do it. There are like many, many VPS or virtual uh, private server providers that are significantly cheaper. And that's, for instance, why uh, companies like DigitalOcean uh, became quite popular as an alternative to Amazon because they only offer you this kind of very simple blocks like virtual machines and they cost way cheaper. And then there are like bazillion of smaller VPS providers or like less known VPS providers that are even cheaper than this. I think like one of the one of the biggest ones is this French company, this OVS, I think it's called, that had this uh, data center fire one year ago. And if you see what they charge, like what you pay 10 euro or 10 dollars on Amazon, you get for three dollars on, on this provider. Mm. And if you want something more, then you go to Amazon, but in return, Amazon will charge you for all these small things that Pablo mentions. Exactly. Because the idea of the cloud is that you pay as you go. So if you want to store one megabyte of data on the three bucket, you pay for this one megabyte per month as long as it's stored. If you want to access some metrics, then you pay for how often you access those metrics. Even if you go to the web UI of the Amazon and there is a button to like find some logs, every time you click this button, there is a charge for this. So everything, there's like hundreds of ways Amazon charges you, then that's why it's confusing to navigate those costs. Because that's why many customers was also in help to understand what they're paying for. Because you look at the bill from AWS, if you if you use like more than 10 services, it's insane what you see there. How would, you every... However, How would you change this? It's a company, you cannot change that. But even I mean, in the if, if ideal Those world. companies are public company in the way that all of them are in the stock market. And you can see the profit margin that they have. And all of these margins are huge. It's 40, 50%, and even in some cases, 60% of profit margin. That means that really, even with all the expenses that they have, they mm -hmm. they add a, a 40, 50, 60% on top. So they are generating millions and millions. And this is the, 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 the it's a money machine. So, and they are not going to stop to do that for sure. Because day by day, most and most companies, more and more companies, are need to be in the in the cloud because not in the cloud in the IT world because even now you have uh, uh, I don't know uh, a zoo uh, whatever kind of a store little store they are selling fruit they are selling you always have a, a little web page and these pages maybe are in a third party provider but this third party provider 
normally is in the cloud. So at the end, every kind of company needs to be connected to internet and day by day more and more and more. And as you know, since this week, we are 8,000 millions in this planet Earth. So, and if 60, 70, 80% of the people has access to internet, so we are talking about a huge number of people and day by day there are more and more and more and more. So as far as I understood, there are 30,000 deaths every day and 60,000 mm-hmm. newborns. So 30,000 new users net every day in the fucking planet Earth. So it's not, it's not, there will be new customers and new customers day by day and day and day and day. So they are going to make more money day by day by day. So it's not a non-stop thing. At some point we will reach the limits, both in the number of people and the... And the space where to <laughs> locate their data, uh, their data centers and the amount of energy that we produce to be able to run those data centers. This is another point, but I had to be fair that this better consumption of energy if you put 30 companies in one machine that is you have at your own data center. Because normally you have to your own data center, the machine is for you. And you never sir, this machine is for dev, this is for UAT, this is for prod. So you are not moving load of prod in a UAT machine or in a dev machine. So and in this case, the dev machine is always not doing anything. While these companies try to maximize the utilization of those machines, and in this way they try to reduce the consumption because they don't want to because they they, they want to reduce cost and they are my teams were that. They're perfect guys. So in this way, I have to say that for the environment, mm-hmm. it's better the cloud rather than the data centers. So there is no ideal solution that will fit uh, everyone in perfect world. Basically, no, basically, we're stuck, basically, we're stuck with Amazon <laughs> for, for decades, <laughs> right? Okay, you have Google Cloud, you have Azure, you have many other options, but at the end, all, of, all are the same. So, <laughs> okay, but if we go back uh, to the ground from the speculation uh, and imagine a typical team of developers and engineers, and at what point and how uh, might they realize and decide that they need to put their infrastructure in the cloud or on premises? Uh, is there some like uh, so, some simple pattern for them to understand that if you do this, then you need cloud. If you don't do this, then you go on premises. Because from what you described, I have uh, a notion that everyone should go cloud because there is no other option. Uh, my opinion for new companies, it makes all the logical sense to go to the cloud from the day one. Only because you want to deploy as fast as you can and you don't want to spend too much time on the infrastructure. And for the startup, it will be more efficient and cheaper to just go for the cloud. But it could be that like once you become the, the scale-out startup or a bigger company, you figure that just economically does not work. And then you can consider maybe do more of a hybrid cloud or like use some other cloud for some other part of the infrastructure. But for the new ones, I, I would, in yeah. 99% of cases, go for the... Yeah, I so unless you you're, let's say, a startup in the, you make some medical devices, right? Or you, you do some with medical data. Then it could be better if you just go for the for your own hardware. Or if you do some very 
um, GPU intensive workloads, then you will just go bankrupt if you run all of it in the cloud. It, it could be way cheaper to just buy some GPUs uh, and host it yourself somewhere. When you talk way cheaper, uh, we are speaking about numbers like billions <laughs> in invoices, right? It's not like uh, uh, when the company realizes that it's uh, way cheaper for them to invest millions in developing new software rather than spending more millions to, to pay to Amazon, right? And, 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 and it's not like we will save 10K or 20K in a month. There are millions involved. Uh, there's this good example with the Dropbox because they famously migrated the storage of the cloud because they, they used to be, uh, they were using AWS S3, this object storage, which is basically like this, uh, some call it mm -hmm. like eighth wonder of the world, this in infinite storage that just can handle petabytes of data easily. And Dropbox was using this one for like as a main storage layer. But then because Dropbox is so huge and there are like tens of millions of customers, they figured that it will be way cheaper for them to just move the whole storage to their own data center and re-implement uh, something like AWS S3 on their own. And, and they were claiming that they saved like millions, if not billions of dollars on this migration. Mm -hmm. And this makes sense for, especially for this kind of company that so far a service which is really tightly coupled with the infrastructure because Dropbox charges you per gigabyte, more or less. So you pay, let's say, like $100 per month for five terabytes on Dropbox. And then Dropbox needs to calculate how much it costs for them to store five terabytes of data mm -hmm. multiplied by mm -hmm. three because they probably duplicate every data many, many times. And then at some point, it probably figures that on Amazon, it costs uh, like... Five hundred or like fifty dollars per month for five terabytes, and on their own infrastructure, it would cost them twenty. And at this scale, it makes all the sense to move away from the cloud. Do you think your project infrastructure is well set and maintained? We know for sure there is always room for improvement. If you are uncertain where to begin, let's first do an audit of what you already have. We will review your setup from every angle: performance, cost, security high availability and automation, and provide you with a detailed roadmap of which direction your infrastructure should go, generate concrete tasks for you to implement, or even take on your infra entirely, if you let us, of course. So if you have the people, is what Kirill is telling, you have the people in the team with the knowledge, if you're a big company like Dropbox in this case, you can find ways to move out of the, cl of the, of the cloud. The problem is if you're a a medium company, lower, uh, little company, it's impossible for you to move out of the cloud because you cannot create your own data center only because you have 30 machines. Because there are many things that you cannot do in this way. You cannot have a machine in your in your house like before times, you know, with a router connected, providing the web page. You know, this is, this is super expensive because these days, with 10, 20 euros per month, you can have a super cool web page running with a DR environment. So high capability, uh, reaching more or less 30,500 uh, connection monthly. You know, and this is for 20 to 40 euros per month. So it's impossible to compete in this, in these prices. But when you go to a big company, is when 
you can decide because maybe you pay to to Amazon, to Google, you pay maybe 30 million per year, 50 million per year. And then you say, okay, if I pay 50 million, maybe I can do something in my own and then I can reduce these 50 million or 100 million to only 10 or 5 or, or maybe to 70. But these 30 million is a big difference. So, and this is the, the game that many companies are doing today because they are double thinking the expenses because it's not so easy always to spend 100 million in, in a cloud provider. Mm -hmm. So basically this concept of leaving the cloud is only available and accessible for tech giants like Dropbox or Netflix or similar in similar sizes. But it's pointless for smaller companies, even for large uh, software as a service providers. Um, not really. And this is one of the points about this blog post from Basecamp about leaving the cloud is that they're not migrating to their own data center, right? Because it's not just, as I was telling, there are two extremes. You build the whole data center from zero, and I don't think there are too many companies who do it these days, yeah. and there's the cloud. But what you have in between is these companies that already have the data center. They have the space, they have people who are able to kind of cable everything and to ensure that there is an energy supply. Mm -hmm. And you only purchase physical boxes uh, from this provider and they put those boxes into a special room into the data center, cable it for you, and then you can configure it. That's what Basecamp is doing. Basecamp does not, they don't have their own data center. They have someone else, someone else's place. They just say, okay, we need 10, 10 physical machines. Someone else outside of Basecamp connects these machines. And what Basecamp does is we just uses, for example, Chef or Puppet to configure those machines and run software on it. And that's maybe also a bit misleading when the this title of the blog post also leaving the cloud was that many people think that okay uh, should we now move to our own data centers? But that's only like extreme case to build everything from from scratch. There are many things in between. So it's not like the trend that will be embraced by anyone like uh, another hipster wave, something like, oh, this is a cool thing, so let's try this. <laughs> because not, not, not many companies can do this. And even, even if they want, they, they couldn't because it would, wouldn't be uh, like financially profitable for them to leave the cloud. Oh, yeah, you cannot like uh, make a trend out of it right? because Basecamp is having this data center since mm -hmm. 20 years. So they have people who are working on this infrastructure since more than a decade. And if you are a startup who is using Amazon from from day one, basically, you, you cannot do this migration easily. Even Basecamp cannot do this migration easily because now they need to migrate this uh, hey.com, this email service. And that has so many dependencies on Amazon that it, it's something that they will spend a couple of years to migrate it back to yeah. the mm -hmm. this is the, This is the main problem because how do you move everything that right now is working in in Amazon in whatever place, how do you move that to out of Amazon? You know, it's, these days it's almost impossible, you know. Okay, you can do it, but it's going to take time and money. So, and at the end you need to think and consider how much money are you going to save? Because again, we back always to money because it's not a performance problem. It is not any kind of problem. It's money problem. So, and if you can save money, you can do it one way that you can save money. Okay, but you need to think in the long term because you cannot think only in one year. You need to think in 10, 
15, 20 years. And then, are you going to save money in 20 years' time? Yes or no? If it's yes, let's do that. If it's no, you need to pay money to Amazon or to Google or to Microsoft. There is no other way. And especially hard if you are, so what I was telling that it makes no sense to use the cloud as a way to run servers. So you should use this, like the, the serverless tooling that cloud offers, like in Amazon case, it may be DynamoDB, S3, Lambda. But once you use them, your costs probably will be lower if you do it properly, but it will be extremely hard to migrate away from the cloud. So it's like, like it makes no sense to use the cloud as a as a data center and configure this with the mm-hmm. and puppet and Ansible. Uh, but also, if you use the cloud the proper way, it makes it super hard to move away from the cloud. Uh, but um, I I I I met a quick research on this concept of living the cloud, and I found out that people are talking about it, and I'm generally interested. Why why do you think people have picked up uh, on this idea of leaving the cloud uh, because it, it, it's not widely acceptable, but people still talking about it, people discussing it. Is it some kind of, I don't know, internal protest against the policies of the big providers and, and it's a, a need for a change or something? What's your take on that? Yeah, I think besides the cost, there is this, uh, okay, almost philosophical issue that more and more of the internet becomes Amazon or, or Google, but really, okay, the, if you look at the at the market share, it's Amazon. So if um, one Amazon data center is down, half of the internet is broken. And that's a very good point also from the from Basecamp, is that uh, last year, the US East one, this first and biggest data center from Amazon was down and everything broke, like the whole internet. And that's really bad in some way because um, everyone relies on this single commercial company. And if this company goes away, has issues, or I don't know, something happens to the data center, then the whole humanity suffers in some way. Mm-hmm. And that's like, if you focus on the theory, it's not really good for the internet to keep everything in two, three companies and cloud providers. <laughs> Is there? Is there? Is, about the cost. Yes. And, uh, okay. It's, it's money because this is bad that there are two companies or three controlling the world. Because really, they are controlling the world because they can stop internet. I remember ten ago with the hackers. No, I'm able to stop internet. <laughs> so really, now there are three companies that they can stop internet. So, so if they <laughs> shut down everything, <laughs> there is no internet. Okay, no, internet no. is there, but there is nothing to do. <laughs> There is no application to, to mm. do anything there. But also if everything is with this cloud provider, they can basically take your business easily, right? Mm-hmm. So if you're Amazon, uh, Netflix runs on Amazon, right? So Netflix is one of the biggest uh, customers of AWS. And it's way more expensive for Netflix to offer the cloud streaming of videos than it's for Amazon to do Amazon Prime videos. Because... Amazon Prime uses AWS, but they get it way cheaper. Yeah, and, and we have a precedent because yeah, I, I, I remember back in 2019 or something, uh, uh, when uh, Amazon and other uh, other providers refused to host this application, what was the name, uh, Parler or something like that, that Trump, uh, Donald Trump uh, wanted to uh, start using uh, as an alternative to Twitter. 
and, and the application was basically banned from the internet by all the providers. And they are capable of doing this. So basically, people organically are resistant to monopolies and to <laughs> globalization, something like that. No, in theory, people are do not like monopolies and only decentralization. But also because everyone is lazy, it's way easier to just use Amazon, right? <laughs> it's just way more convenient and it's way more cost-effective if you do it right and if you don't have any special challenges. Um, where cloud is always more expensive. So, yeah. But the downside is that, yes, Amazon can just decide, okay, we don't want your workloads anymore. And, and what do you do? That's it. You're out of business. <laughs> or same, same with, with Dropbox, right? So Amazon gets S3, well, not for free, but way cheaper. So Amazon can just offer, and they do offer the cloud store. I think it's the same case that happened these days with Apple and with the Apple Store. If Apple, for example, this product they're making to Spotify, because Spotify they want to publish these audiobooks, and Apple is having the same business, so Apple is telling, no, I don't want you to to have this update. So then, why are you going to be my own competitor and you're going to be my own cell phone and in my own Apple Store? So could be the case that there is a skill is telling one company wants to be in Amazon. And Amazon says, no, sorry, no, you cannot be here. And, and, and even they can be the sensor, you know, they, they can do a, they can say, no, this country, they cannot be here. Everything from this country. We see what happened these days with many countries. You cannot be in Amazon. You cannot be, you have a company from X number of countries. You know, they can put the rules and, and the governments, they can force these companies to put the rule because at the end, this is another reason because they, they, they you know, there are many problems with this. You know, no economical problems that the people is is not so fans of these uh, cloud companies. I've just realized that from the infrastructure side, Amazon becomes like the, the apple of infrastructure because because it's so popular and everyone wants to use it. You have this Amazon tax. Like people talk about Apple tax that whenever if you run mm -hmm. your app on, on iPhone, you pay 30% to Apple. And if you run your web application on Amazon, then you pay whatever the amount of money to Amazon. Regardless if your business is, is successful or not, you pay to Amazon this tax. Yeah. <laughs> and with all this uh, going on, uh, do you think the movement to help companies to get out of the cloud will gain momentum? Uh, I mean, I, I mean, like, uh, will uh, people from across the world join their forces in open source? trying to create something uh, that will help companies to run the similar services, the similar software that Amazon and Google have on their uh, data centers, but to run uh, it's on your, on your own machine, on your own data center, uh, something like that. Will people join in this <laughs> movement? I, I, I'm, not, I'm not asking what will happen. I'm, I'm asking what's your take on this? What will happen? I think Amazon and other cloud providers are at this point that they're so huge that even if 10,000 companies decide to leave the cloud, there's still majority of these things will be there in the cloud. But Pablo brought up the good point in, in the latest uh, MKDF dispatch about the standards. And what we've seen last year is that uh, five, six years ago or like eight years ago, it was really convenient to use Amazon because Amazon gave you 
mm-hmm. infrastructure abstractions that no one else had, and they were really specific to Amazon. So if you use them on Amazon, like you have this uh, lock-in on AWS. But now we have software like Kubernetes, for example, which lets you have a very good abstractions and very simple ways to run applications uh, regardless of the cloud. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And once this evolves more and more, we have more standards around CI/CD pipelines about how we run and deploy applications. In theory, every data center or VPS or cloud provider it will be just a destination for this standard way to run things. So it's like with Kubernetes. So if you want to today, if you have a use case for the hybrid cloud, if you have to like, if you can use Amazon, but also for some cases you have to use the on-prem, your choice would probably be Kubernetes because you will get more or less the identical way to deploy and manage applications in the most places. And that's also maybe one of the reasons we have more discussions now about uh, leaving the cloud because we have this alternative in terms of software mm-hmm. and the better ways to run things on premise. From what you're saying, it is clear that uh, it would be much easier for the end user uh, if there if there were standards. But at the same time, um, uh, I think standard standardization reduces competition and probably it reduces. I don't know innovation, because uh, uh, no, it, 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 it's are, like are with the standard. I, I, yeah, ISO well, is a standard me, for let, everything. Let me elaborate. It's like the same as uh, European government government uh, made it uh, mandatory for smartphones uh, for for smartphone ma- ma- manufacturers to use uh, USB C. Uh, on the one hand, it is convenient for the user, but on the other hand, we will stuck with USB-C for decades to come, and we will only see like transparent uh, phones or Netflix shows because uh, US, uh, uh, because European government is so slow on making changes, and we will stuck with USB-C for for years to come. And th- I'm afraid this is, this is something like this could happen to. Uh, to the cloud industry, if we will start introducing standards. One thing, one thing is having those standards as a specification, another one is actually it's government's enforcement. I, I, I would hope that European government will not enforce Kubernetes as the only way to run things. But I would like to see, and it's already like this day because Amazon started when containers became popular thanks to Docker. Uh, Amazon introduced ECS, this Elastic Container Service. But then they quickly realized, like, okay, not so quickly because it took some time for them. Three, four years later, is that everyone wants to use Kubernetes because Kubernetes is something you can use in every other cloud and on-premise. And Amazon start launched EKS. And now you have these two ways, and you can choose if you want to use like extremely Amazon-specific way to run containers or Kubernetes. And it's the job of Amazon to kind of um, make ECS more compelling and more user-friendly and easier and more cost-effective to use. But then the customer can choose if they want, what they want to use. And, and, and the standards are there everywhere, really. Everything that you have in front of you is a standard with a, with a code. And, and, and there is a way to do things. And, and one of the reasons is because everything needs to be packed and needs to be put in a container that is another standard, 20 feet or 40 feet. And everything goes to the ships and then go to the tracks. And everything is a standard in this planet because everything needs to be in a kind of box. So... So everything is a standard. Nothing happened because there are standards. So it's not a bad thing, the standards. I, I think the standards are a good thing. And Kubernetes, as Kili is telling, is a very good standard. 
And nothing happened if everything is standardized as Kubernetes because it's only a rule where you can do later on many themes on top. And, and this is how it's standard. Uh, the software containers uh, example is really powerful, right? Because I, I think before Docker made this popular and before we got this, because now we have real standards with specification how applications can be packaged into container images and how we distribute them. And we didn't have anything like this before with virtual machines. With virtual machines, you go to Amazon, you have this Amazon machine images. You go to VMware, you have the VMware-specific machine snapshots. But now we have this container image that is universal for every single platform. You can just take the same package and run in every cloud. And Kubernetes slowly becomes the way to run those packages. So basically, uh, we have like not a solution for everything, but at least a solution for something. And the standards will last until it ends. And the whole internet is based on standards, right? The HTTP, yes. the, <laughs> the way DNS, the everything is standards. The layers, everything. Yeah, and slowly will come to the high-level standards on, on top of those foundations of internet. Yeah, and this is an interesting topic because I, I would like to discuss where these standards came from, like this uh, HTTP, DNS, how they were established, and what's the story about it. <laughs> and, and, and and what will happen to similar because it, it was like the story of the past and now it doesn't uh, doesn't happen something like this we have uh, new technologies every day and everyone trying to push their agenda and try to convince uh, convince everyone to use their software on something like this and 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 when you're talking about uh, kubernetes became a standard this is something i think it's good and uh, i re i want to see something similar happening in other areas too so yeah uh this was great uh i hope it was useful for you and for our listeners as usual, they could draw something useful uh, from these conversations for themselves. Um, I guess we will be together again in a month or so. And uh, if you think that you would like to have a specific advice on clouds, on migrating to clouds, or on migrating taking from clouds, just uh, give us a call and we will discuss it together. Uh, you can find the link in the description how to contact us and how to book a call and what we can do for you. And if it's, this is not the first time you are watching our videos or you're listening to our podcast, consider subscribing uh, and give us a like. And we would like to tell you goodbye. Pablo and Kirill and Leo both with us. All right, till the next month. Thank you, guys. To you. Yeah, bye. There are no challenges that we couldn't overcome. Whether it is immediate infrastructure problems or planning a future project, we won't simply answer your questions. We become a part of your team to help you complete the mission. Our solutions consider the interests of your business and the combined expertise of the industry as our staff is made up of more than a dozen experts in different areas who share decades of field-tested experience and knowledge with you.